If you know me, then you know my story. If you don't, then here it is. I'm a husband, father, and a one percenter in my industry, living what most consider to be the American dream. Then triumph went to tragedy. My 14-year-old daughter passed away suddenly and tragically. The dream became a nightmare. A time of despair became a year of repair. I went from learning to survive to learning to thrive. This time, life was gonna be on my terms. I went on a journey of self-discovery. What I avoided in my past, I made my immediate future. I took massive action. I decided to change. I decided to not be a victim. I made the decision to be the complete version of myself, which is what led me to create this podcast, The Daily Decision. Let me help you achieve your dream. Let me help you find true fulfillment. Let me help you become the best version of yourself. The choice is yours. Take massive action now. Make the decision today. Invest in yourself. Listen and learn along with me because my job is to ensure that you can find greatness without tragedy. My job is to ensure what happened to me doesn't happen to you. It all starts with a decision. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to another episode of The Daily Decision. I'm your host, Michael Chabot. Really excited about this episode today. I have a really good friend of mine, Marcus Silverberg. Not only are we buddies, we both have a passion about ice hockey, but uh, we actually get the pleasure of working together because he's a financial planner. I am a mortgage lender, and so we serve some of the same clients. And I thought, what an amazing time during what we've been going through to have somebody who's well-versed in financial planning to talk about some of the strategies and things. And of course, we'll touch on a little bit of hockey too, but we're going to get all the business stuff out of the way first. Let me give him a formal introduction though. Again, it's Marcus Silverberg, Silverberg Wealth Management. Uh, He's been in financial planning since 1997 multiple-time Circle of Excellence Award winner, meaning that he's done a really, really good job for his clients. Um, He proudly manages guys over $100 million in assets, which is a lot. Um, He is the proud father of two beautiful girls. He's a husband. He's a dog daddy of Hunter, right? (laughs) And uh, as as I said at the beginning, he is about as fanatical or maybe more with ice hockey than I am. Hey, buddy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me be a part of your show. Yeah, it's exciting, man. So it's cool. I like your background. You know, I'm still working at home here, so I've I've hijacked one of the bedrooms in my house to broadcast from. But, you know, yours looks way more official. You got the stock market ticker in the background. It's looking good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We, uh, we try to do our best. Uh, we want to uh, have people feel and they come into the office. We're actually located at the landing where yep. your office is. Um, people love coming here. It's, uh, I want to make it less, the, the least painful experience you could possibly imagine. Uh, I want you to come in and we go to lunch. There's pl- several places here that we love to go to. Uh, and uh, it's just a great place to be, especially if you have a boat. Yeah, it's a nice place to have lunch, and it's a nice place to do business from on the lake there in Westlake Village. Um, so for those of you listening or watching outside of Southern California, it's Westlake Village. It's about 35 miles northwest of Los Angeles. It's a sleepy little community, and it's an absolute dream. Hey, is that Hunter there in the background on the wall that I see? I, I snuck him in. He's All right. right over Yeah, over, yeah. Over. <laughs> He's cute. So. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. So what is, what is the role of a financial planner? Like if somebody asks you like, hey, what is it you do? What is your role? Well, the most important thing I think any financial advisor can do, especially as people get older, is to make sure that clients have comfort knowing that they're not going to run out of money. Uh, I think that's a big concern of people, uh, questions about social security, uh, maximizing people's social security, showing them when they should take it, when they should wait, when they should take it right away, um, and keeping abreast of all the things that are happening right now. There's a mm. lot going on right now. Yeah, that's Some great. Some of the things that 
I mean, yeah, the, the things that I, I think right now uh, that uh, people are concerned, like most of the questions I get are about, you know, the CARES Act. Uh, I don't, are you familiar with that? I am, but I think that would be really good to talk about and break down for my listeners. Okay. Everybody that, um, with the pandemic, uh, it, they get uh, either 1000 or $1,200 every month. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, actually one time, $1,000 or $1,200. Uh, the, the reason being is to uh, help people when they stay at home. Uh, a financial advisor, uh, it's not their role per se to do this, but to try to find out uh, if you qualify for the $1,000. A lot of my clients said, do I make too much money to qualify? Do I not make enough money? What am I getting at 1000 Do I need to get $1,200? Uh, you know, it, it's just one of our roles. So what we do is we call a lot of our partners that we do business with, and they give us kind of like a rundown, a fact sheet on, you know, how the CARE Act works and how it affects people. And uh, then I relay it to my clients. So I'm like a one-stop shop for them. Mm, that's great. So since we're on that subject, I mean, obviously during the pandemic, when the first thing hit, I think the stock market dropped as low as what, about 18000 it, that's correct. It dropped. Uh, I think it actually went into the 17s. But yeah. the thing about my client base, which I, I love about them, is I was able to speak to a lot of them. And uh, pretty much every one of them, we relayed that we're sticking to a plan. And uh, I didn't have that many people sell. I think uh, I would have had a lot more if they weren't confident and convinced that eventually things are going to re, you know, revert back to normal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's a, that's a good point because I think a lot of people, and I'd love to hear your take on this, they become reactionary and they panic and they think that, well, I better get my money out now before it evaporates. And, and in your experience, you've been doing this a long time, is that you know, it's a bump in the road and we have a long-term plan and let's stick to our plan. Yeah, back in 2008, this happened. Back in 2001, this happened. Uh, it's, this, is, this is not my first rodeo with this. I've seen it happen. Uh, and uh, people that have had the courage to stay in there have been rewarded. That's good. So what do, you, what, do you, what do you say to a client that comes to you today, let's say a new client that says, you know, I'm concerned about my retirement or I'm concerned about retiring you know, obviously we can't get into specifics. We have to stay in generalities here, but you know, what is the advice maybe that you're giving people? And I don't know if you can talk in, in generalities on this or not, but if you can, great. If you can't, then we'll, we'll move to another question. Okay. Well, I subscribe to a lot of services that help me plan. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do, you know, a good job with it because, and I get a lot of accolades for it because I follow a system. Uh, I use, um, ATS, which is a group that is out of uh, Orange County, that they, they pretty much taught me how to do buckets of money, where some money is for your long-term money, then there's the short-term money, uh, and then there's the money that you kind of invest into uh, the day-to-day. -day. Um, you never put all your eggs in one basket, if you, to say. Uh, what I do is I, I systematically put certain amounts in different uh, types of investments. Uh, I give people access to Allbridge, which is a unbelievable software system that mm. allows you to track your investments very well. Uh, in addition, if you have accounts at other places, we try to move them together so you can then see everything you own. Yeah, that's awesome. Let me ask you this question. I don't know if you handle this and I apologize because we've never talked about it. So do you assist clients with planning for college for their kids? Yes, we have a, a system we use uh, with, uh, mm. didn't mean to mention a name, but the reason why I brought that up is because they actually are out of Alaska. Uh, if you invest or you're a California resident, you don't get uh, any tax deduction for college planning. We used to, we do 529s. Mm. Uh, a 529 is an excellent vehicle to put money into that, um, when you put the money into it, it grows tax-free as long as it's being used for college. So we try to use age-based portfolios where a client is 
uh, one years old all the way up to 18 years old. So it gets more conservative as you are, you're, as the client gets closer to college. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so then question for you is that when, so when your client or your kid becomes college age, when your client's kid becomes college age and they want to pull the money out, are there any tax simplifications at that point? As long as it's being used for college tuition, uh, room and board and college expenses, no. Okay. All right. So we're going to pivot here for a minute and, and step away from the business. And I want to talk about you for a minute. So how did you get into financial planning? Well, that's a good question. My grandfather, uh, who is like my idol, uh, he uh, was a very, very uh, unbelievable person. I mean, he, he started from nothing and became wildly successful. Uh, what I loved about my grandfather is that uh, he he had a just a thing for the stock market, and so I would go with him. He developed a condition called macular degeneration, mm. where he couldn't see anymore. And when I was about 26 years old, I used to read him all the stock tickers and symbols all the time, write them down for him, go over them one by one, let him know how much money he made or lost in each investment. This is before the internet. Uh, it was really kind of a cool, and I always liked the little numbers and decimals going by the screen. I always was fascinated by it. I love that. That's great. It's funny. I, I always find that somebody usually finds their passion because they've been inspired by someone else. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was a great man. Ter terrific. So what are, what are some of the, the, let's say, habits or things that you lean on to stay at the top of your game of your profession, right? Are there things that, you know, because what I have found in interviewing different people from all different walks of life is those like yourself that are successful have specific habits, routines, things that they do consistently to stay at the top of their game. Yeah, that's important. Uh, when, I, um, when I meet with clients, I always wanna know uh, pretty much what the competition is, is, is doing. Mm -hmm. I wanna know if people are, being approached by uh, d different companies that are offering different uh, different packages. Uh, I always want to keep myself very competitive. Um, but when it comes to learning and about and educating, being a part of the ATS network, uh, which is the group that I subscribe to, they do have uh, weekly calls that we do kind of speak. It's peer to peer. We talk about uh, certain things that are changing in the market and keep us up to, up to speed on what's going on. That's awesome. That's great. It's, so you have, basically, it's a uh, mastermind group and a mentorship kind of built in, in one. Yeah, it's something that I think it's important to be a part of because you really, uh, as much as I want to be innovative, I, I do kind of stick to a script. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a disclaimer. This is just a, his opinion. He doesn't have a crystal ball. I just want to ask Marcus, where do you think the stock market goes from here? Well, it's important to, um, thank you. <laughs> uh, it's important to uh, know that having a, uh, a long-term approach is important, I think. Uh, I always buy something and with the intention of holding it for at least a year uh, because you get the long-term capital gains if you sell it. Uh, I think that uh, I'm always somebody you would call a permabull, somebody who always feels the market is going to go up. I think that way because history, and if you see the chart behind me, mm -hmm. uh, history is it's, uh, it's always a, you know, a place that you want to be invested in the market. I, I don't feel that, uh, and, I, and I discourage new clients that want to jump, jump in and be a client of mine, that they just want to get in and get out. I think it's something that you want to invest and you're, you're, you're thinking more long-term. So long-term, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing to be in. So great answer, by the way. What, um, what would you say that some of the biggest mistakes are that investors make, you know, before they come to you or when they've come to you and either done it on their own or worked with somebody else? What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making? 
I've seen a lot of uh, clients when they start with me, uh, I look at their, their, um, their holdings at uh, other advisors would have them in. And sometimes I see a lot in one position and it, it, it's alarming because sometimes it works and that position looks great and clients have done really well with it. Uh, shares of uh, you know, one company that have appreciated substantially uh, but I like to see diversification. I like mm -hmm. to see people in multiple things in case something goes wrong in one of them. I like that. Talking about diversification, I, I would love, you and I have never talked about this, and I would love your opinion. Do you think real estate is a good investment? I love real estate. I personally, I own a, a lovely house, and uh, I bought, I originally bought a place in, uh, Los Angeles, it was a condo. And uh, when I started in, the, in, in what I do, uh, I, I invested in a condo. I made a tremendous profit in it. There are unbelievable tax breaks that you get when you own real estate. Uh, writing off the interest on the mortgage is one. Um, there's also the, when you sell it, there's certain breaks if you live it over two years. Uh, you get a certain amount of money. Uh, there's real estate professionals, which I work with a lot of them, and a lot of them are my clients. And uh, I would recommend them answer your question that uh, I don't know exactly. I think it's like a couple hundred thousand dollars is tax-free. Uh, any tax-free vehicle is a great vehicle to be in. Yeah. And if you live in it over two years, I believe, yep. uh, you can, maybe you could answer that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been, uh, if you live in it over two years and you sell, it's $250,000 for an individual, $500,000 for a married couple um, that you get without having to pay tax on it. Anything over that you would. Um, I think the key, like you said, is diversification. Um, what do you think about, I, so I've heard some of these so-called gurus, you know, on social media and different places say that 401ks are a waste of time and money. What do you think about that? Well, you get to immediately uh, take that off your income uh, when you're uh, doing your taxes at the end of the year. If you sit with a very good CPA, uh, I work with a lot of CPAs and CPAs are a great referral source for me because clients have to put money into IRAs. They have to put money into SEP IRAs. Um, something they don't do with me is their 401k. The 401k is done through their employer, uh, and I think it's a great investment because you're deferring taxes, you're putting money away, you're paying yourself, if you will. Uh, down the road, you'll be able to roll that money into an IRA when you retire or you're terminated. They're great vehicles to put money in uh, because of the tax deferral. Uh, you can buy and sell within an IRA or a 401k, and you don't get a 1099. Mm. Uh, when you have money outside of an IRA in a regular account, if you buy and sell, you're going to get a 1099 and your CPA will not be a fan of you. That's never. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell, tell my listeners, anybody who's listening, who doesn't, who's not familiar with what an IRA is or a SEP IRA and the difference between the two. Would you mind? Oh, sure. An IRA, if you just break down the word, individual retirement account. Okay, that is something that uh, people that don't participate in 401ks, uh, they either do one or the other. If their job doesn't offer a 401k, they do what's called an IRA. And it, depending on your age, there's limits to how much you can put into the IRAs. Hmm. The uh, traditional IRA, uh, you can put in up to $7,000 if you're over 50 years old. If you're under 50 years old, it's $6,000. Um, the other thing is that there's another one that is actually a very good investment as well. It's called a Roth IRA. Mm. A Roth IRA is a tremendous way to grow your money as well. You don't get the tax break for putting your money into the Roth IRA, but it grows tax-free for you. And when mm. you're 70 and a half, you don't have to take the money out. In a traditional IRA, they just changed it actually. It used to be 70 and a half, but when you're 72 now, you have to start taking money out of your traditional IRA. And a lot of clients are never a huge big, never a fan of it because it's treated as ordinary income and yeah. they don't like that. Um, yeah. 
we, we like it in the mortgage industry because we can use it as income when they have to start right. taking those yeah. distributions. <laughs> yes, those distributions come in handy when they're trying to qualify for a loan. They do. Who, by the way, have done a remarkable job for multiple clients of mine. They speak unbelievably high of you. And it makes me look good when you make you make me look good because you do a good job for my clients. Well, we appreciate that, buddy. And um, so let me ask you this question. I, so I have some clients that are, they sit on a lot of cash, right? Three, four, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 of cash. And I always say to them, like, why are you not investing? No, I, I like cash. I want to be in cash. If I need it, I can get to it. What do you say to clients like that? Like, what would your advice or your opinion be to them? Well, I think there's always a reason for somebody who says, I want to stay in cash. Uh, it could be fear. Uh, it could be they don't want to get into the market because maybe they had a bad experience before. Uh, for somebody like that, I, I do what's called dollar cost averaging. I put people's money in slowly. I put it in stages. I don't put it all in one, one time right away. This allows you to buy at different levels. If the market is high the day we go in first time and then we wait a few weeks and then we put some more in and it'll be a little lower and then a little lower. This allows you to buy at different levels where sometimes you, you can't really pick the bottom. So this kind of gives you an opportunity to just, and also get your client's feet wet with it. They try to, you know, they, they, they get into it and they go all in right away. It's always, it, it never works out unless you're, you're buying at a perfect spot and nobody really knows, like you were saying, nobody has a crystal ball. You don't know exactly when the perfect time is to buy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same with us, right? Interest rates change daily. You can't time the housing market. Prices go up, they go down. Um, so explain to my listeners the difference between a fee-based and a commission-based financial planner, because I know you're both, which I think is awesome. Yeah, that, that's, that's an important question because a financial planner can get paid several ways. Some of them charge a one-time fee and then they manage your money. Some of them do what's called a commission-based where per transaction, uh, it's, um, it comes out to a certain amount per transaction. And then there's also the fee-based one where you get paid a, uh, an annual fee where uh, you, you pay uh, a certain amount of money and you know what the, it's going to cost you for the rest of the year. You know, there's no surprises. Uh, you're, all, you're in line and in step with the client. The more money they make, we make as advisors. So we're probably the most incentivized to make money for a client through fee-based. And I do use fee-based quite a bit as one of the investment vehicles that uh, I I do. We use it's called guided uh, GPS, uh, guided. I, you know, I always lose the acronym. There's so many of them. We but know what I, GPS means. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I use GPS. So I use it, and it's been. Uh, they're um, using another one now. It's called My Advice Architect. Mm. I'm learning that right now. Um, um, but I, I I feel the most comfortable with GPS, and the reason why I like it is because. The clients, I can dictate what the fee will be, and it's based on asset size. Um, so if a client has a certain amount of money, it pretty much tells me how much the, the fee is going to be. Yeah, that's awesome. What, what is the most common question you're getting from your clients right now today during the pandemic? Um, I, you know, I think the most common question is, uh, and it's something really, uh, you know, you'd have to be 110 years old to answer it because that was the last time the pandemic happened. Uh, you know, um, you know, no one really knows. I mean, it's like, when's it going to end? When are we going to be able to return to normal? When are we going to go uh, back to school for kids? Uh, the most important thing is that I, I do watch the news all the time. And I'm always keeping up with the most recent events. So I kind of know right now, if you ask me, they're saying California, it's July 4th. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, the, uh, that's the day they're shooting for. Uh, and, I, and of course I told you I play hockey. 
So as a hockey player, I'm always trying to keep an eye. When is the rink opening? When are we going to get back to be on the ice? When are we going to be able to play again? When are things going to return back to normal? So I'm keeping up with everything. And I think a lot of clients aren't because they don't have all the resources I have. I talk to somebody who knows somebody at the city uh, of Burbank. So I keep track of that. Mm. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just keeping track on watching the news on either Fox or CNN, depending on which affiliation you love. I watch them both. Yeah, I think it's important to get news from all sources and then make your own opinion. Um, I am fairly surprised that the stock market, I think today it closed at what, 24,500, somewhere in that range? Right around. Um, I didn't look. So most people look at the Dow Jones, right? Obviously, there's the S&P, there's the NASDAQ. As a financial planner, are you looking at them all? What do, what do you guys follow? What, what kind of gives you a, a feeling for the pulse of the market? Well, I like the S&P 500 okay. most because that is actually 500 companies. The Dow Jones is, is actually only 30 companies. Mm. So, uh, but I look at all of them. They're all important. I look at the NASDAQ because there's a lot of companies, a lot of brand names on the NASDAQ that you really are, everyone's familiar with. Um, so I, I look at all of them. They're all good indicators. Yeah, it's, um, I don't think most people know that the Dow is only made up of 30 companies. I also think that most people, that is the marker that they look at. Do you yeah. guys follow the 10-year treasury note at all? I do because um, some of the investments that I recommend, uh, the rates that we offer clients are, are tied to the 10-year treasury note. So it's important to know if that's ticking up or down. Uh, I also like to know that because I have a lot of realtor clients and mm. mortgage lending uh, people as well. So I like to know, even, even though it doesn't pertain to my investments, uh, the, what, what a 30-year fixed mortgage is going to be, because my clients want to know that. And that's one of the reasons why I like to recommend you, because I don't know what the best rate is at any given moment, sure. but you would. And uh, as an extension of me, it really helps me to know that I have a great team of people that I work with in a lot of different industries, but especially in the mortgage, because clients always ask me how they can make money and how they can save money. Of course. And the most important on the saving money comes into play a lot with me because yes. that's why I like to recommend CPAs that I know and you and on the mortgages on their house. It's like you told me the other day you were going to save my client about $500 that just makes me look good. Yeah, she's happy. So, so let me ask you, um, when you sit down with a client, whether it's a recurring client or a new client, so you're looking at their overall financial picture. You are looking at their mortgage. You're looking at their, what they have cash-wise, what their investments are. You're looking at the full picture, correct? Yeah, and in addition to it, we look at credit card debt, mm. car leases, um, Almost everything. We, so we don't leave great. anything out. Let, let's dig a little deeper on that. So you sit down with a client. We're just going to use, you know, you sit down with, you know, J John Doe. And, you know, he's got a couple car leases. He's got some credit card debt. He's got a mortgage. What are some of the strategies that you look at for clients that have credit card debt or maybe high car leases? Are you recommending other things for them? Yeah. I, you know, I'm not exactly sure how the home equity line of credit is treated tax-wise, you probably want to speak to a, a CPA for mm -hmm. the answer. Uh, in the past, they used to be deductible, the interest that you would pay. I'm not sure, but right now I would just zero in on what the interest rate they're paying. If somebody's paying 21% uh, on a credit card, mm -hmm. we want to identify that and then mo potentially look at home equity lines of credit as an answer to some of those expenses. We do not want to have people with tremendous uh, credit card debt. It's, it's almost never a good investment to have, to pay someone 20%, 21%. It's, it's terrible. 
Yeah, especially because equity lines, I mean, Prime's at three and a quarter. You know, equity lines are in the fours, somewhere in that range. It's a lot better than 21%. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because I think most people think, you know, well, financial planner is just looking at my investments that I have in the stock market and, you know, my IRA. Now, have you had clients come? So let's say a client is getting to that retirement age. They're 55, they're 60, and they have a large 401k and they come to you and say, how do I take this now? Maybe they have a half a million dollars in a 401k. How do I take this now, Marcus, and make this work for me or grow it? Can you do something like that? Yeah, we, we try to like look at a client and we, we like retirement readiness. We want to be able to look at somebody and say, can you retire? Is it right? Can you replace your income that you're making, that you, you make on an annual basis? Is it going to just go to a drop substantial when you retire and we turn on all the income on all your investments? And we also want to look at Social Security. The mm. great tool is going to ssa.gov. Uh, you used to get something in the mail that was this green thing that uh, would tell you how much you were getting uh, when you retire and at you know, what age. Uh, but they don't send those anymore. You, the government doesn't send those anymore. So you have to go onto the website and really understand how much you're going to get from Social Security. And then we look at their 401k. And we look at their IRAs and we really study about how can we take money from these and try to keep them as uh, level as possible and try to continuously pay the client uh, over and over and over again. So they'll get it on a monthly basis. So they get familiar with this is how much is coming into my checking account on a monthly basis. We also use certain products that have contractual obligations that they have to pay the client for the remainder of their life. So we do use those as well. That's awesome. What are your thoughts on, you know, somebody owns real estate, they have investments. What are your thoughts on having a living trust? Well, trust is a very important thing to have because it is you speaking when you pass away. I mean, it is, it's basically a, a piece of paper that it shields things from probate. It does a lot of wonderful things. Uh, it also depends on how, what your net worth is. If you don't have a million or $2 million of a net worth, maybe it's not the most efficient way to spend between 1500 and 2500. I've heard, you know, they, they cost, you know, sometimes they're up to $5,000. Yeah. Uh, I don't always recommend them to people, but if they, if you do need one, uh, my partner is a lawyer. Uh, and he is terrific. Uh, he doesn't do trusts, but uh, for minor uh, legal advice, he's always been helpful and he always helps my clients. Uh, but if you're going to do a trust, there are certain people that I can recommend to you that you could go to and I could always tell them, you know, take it easy on them financially. Uh, don't, you know, don't charge them a ton of money and they can answer all your questions. Pretty much the limits of the uh uh, when the best time to get one and if, if you don't need one, if you have a certain um, amount that you're, if, you're, if your net worth is like $100,000, maybe it's not the best way to spend $1,500, but they'll be honest with you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. And we'll, we can put his contact information in the show notes for anybody who's looking for that information. So let me ask you this question. So if if let's say 20 year old Marcus came to you today and said, Hey, I want to be a financial planner. What advice would you give him knowing what you know now? Well, I, I would tell a 20 year old Marcus that uh, you made a great decision. You get to help people. Uh, you get to take people from uh, infancy all the way to their hundredth birthday. Uh, a client is, I have clients that are, I, I, my niece was just born, Olivia. Uh, really, hi, Olivia. Uh, we're getting a chance to meet her this uh, coming tomorrow. We're going down to San Diego to meet her. Um, and uh, she's going to be a client of mine. Uh, really excited to have her. She's one week old. Uh, and uh, I have clients that are 100. So if, you, if I was telling a 20-year-old, 
anyone who could still fog a mirror can be a client of yours as long as as long as they're alive and uh, you know we could we we pretty much can help anybody. I love that answer, uh, by the way. So let me ask you this, because some of my clients that I talked to, they would say, oh, I, I don't need a financial planner. I don't have enough money. I mean, is there, do you have to have a certain amount of zeros to invest? I mean, can you start with $1,000? I, I don't know. Let, I want to ask you this question. Well, I, I have grown my practice substantially uh, by doing this over 20 years. Uh, I don't, really take on that many smaller accounts anymore sure. but what i did do just recently is i hired a junior financial advisor and we're working out the details right now when and you know she's going to start but i don't want to turn people away i want to make sure that anybody that wants to save money even if it's a thousand or it's a hundred dollars a month they want to do a systematic investment plan we could accommodate that I, I had an interesting story that my biggest client I ever got was from a referral from a client of mine who had $2,700 with me. She was the teller of the branch I used to work at and when I was a financial advisor at a bank. I, used, I started at Merrill Lynch, which is a brand name. It was the hardest one to get a job at, so I went and immediately applied there because I wanted to go to the best one. So uh, I worked there for a couple of years and then I just wanted to, an easier way to get clients was to work at a bank. So I, it's true. I would sit there at the bank and the teller who was a client of mine, uh, a client made a deposit of over $10 million and said, you need to talk to our financial advisor. And she was like, oh, well, you know, same reaction. You said, well, I don't know if I need to talk to a financial advisor. I met with them. Uh, went to dinner with them, and they became over a $10 million relationship of mine. And it's because I, I did not turn the person with $2,500, which turned into $2,700 away, because I thought, well, I'm not going to work with somebody who has a little bit of money. You never know who somebody with a small amount of money knows. Yeah. So that's how I feel. Well, and what I love now is you have the capability of helping those people that don't have a lot to start, help them start and hopefully grow their money into something large for themselves when they get to their retirement number. And I'm guessing when somebody comes to you and they say, you know, well, I mean, is there a, I know there is, but there, is there a sheet or is there a worksheet? Is there something you use that says like, hey, when you retire, based on what you said you want to do, this is the number you're going to need to have. It's, it's a moving target um, yeah. because there's a lot of expenses that could arise. Yeah. Somebody retires, uh, they, they look at their money that they have, and then they say, okay, if everything runs as clockwork, I need $7,200 a month. We could set themselves up for that. But then there's certain things like long-term care, mm. which is something that uh, clients hate buying. Yes. <laughs> you got to twist their arms to, 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 to look at a long-term care policy. But as clients get older, they start to get more vulnerable to certain diseases and they, uh, they get sick and then they end up, you know, one out of two people end up in a home, which is a scary statistic. Uh, and uh, that could destroy people's uh, accumulation for all those years. Yeah. They've been saving and saving and saving and then they have to spend $10,000 a month to pay for an assisted care facility, which destroys people's savings accounts. Yeah. So I always ask people if they want to hear what it costs for long-term care. Yeah. So certain things that you need to introduce to your clientele. Yeah. So one out of two people, that's scary. And by the way, I own long-term care, didn't want to buy it, didn't want to spend the money, but decided I thought it was a smart investment. Um, do you guys handle life insurance? And I ask that because I think it's interesting on my side of the street, right? When I have especially younger clients purchasing their first home and let's say they're taking out a mortgage of a half a million dollars and I ask them about life insurance because I say, hey, you work and you know your wife stays home or you work and your husband stays home. What if something happens to you? How are they going to pay the mortgage? Um, so it's something that we're always looking at because I think it's important 
what are your, first of all, I guess I should ask, what's your thoughts on life insurance? Do you like whole life better than term life? You know, what are your thoughts? Well, life insurance is something that personally I own. Uh, I have a term on myself, one for my business and one for my house. Um, I want to make sure that uh, if something, God forbid, would happen to me, uh, it's uh, my wife, my kids, uh, they're well taken care of. Uh, it is something that everybody should have. It's just how much should you have? Mm. You don't want to overfund life insurance. You don't want to put too much money in it. Uh, I've seen a lot of cases where uh, people buy uh, too much of it. And, it, you know, it, it, there's a lot of bad publicity about life insurance as financial advisors that they're uh, commission products and, uh, you know, they're more designed to sell, not buy. Uh, but done correctly, and I personally use term over whole life because that allows you to invest your other money into the stock market or mutual funds, uh, different vehicles, as opposed to making life yeah. insurance your investment vehicle. And term, term is basically, it's less expensive, and there's, I think there's what, 10-year, 15, 20-year terms, right? There's 10-year there's 20 year. Uh, those are the sweet spots of a lot of the life insurance companies. Uh, they, they're pretty easy to obtain. Uh, you just have to pass the physical. Uh, there are uh, certain things that are they're obviously wrong with you. They will decline you. Mm. Uh, but I always think at least some life insurance is a good way to go. Yeah, I mean, most of my clients that I run into, they only have about 50,000 because maybe it's company provided. And like I said earlier, you know, now they're taking on a mortgage of a half a million dollars and they're the only income earner in the home. And I recommend to them like, hey, you need to talk to a financial advisor because I think it would be important to put a term life insurance policy in place. And I mean, it's it's pennies on the dollar, right? For a term policy. I mean, they're pretty inexpensive, right? Yeah. I mean, I've seen them as cheap as like $500 uh, a month can get you a million dollars worth of coverage. Right. I mean, or I've seen them a hundred dollars a month. It, it's all, it all depends on how you do physically, if you're preferred or if you're standard, right. depending on the uh, uh, your health. I mean, that has yeah. a lot to do with, what they'll be paying on a monthly basis. It's like a credit rating, but it's a health rating instead, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the MIB knows everything. If you took uh, certain pills 10 years ago, it'll show up and the, and they'll know that you need to, you, you know, you have high cholesterol. I mean, you can't hide anything. No, no, but it's important to have. So let's, Let's take a step back from business now. By the way, thank you. This has been really, really, really good stuff. I think a lot of people. Well, first podcast I've ever done. I mean, by the way, I've never done. This. All right, I just want you to know, never have I done this. Well, you're a natural. You're doing a great job. Um, and the one thing before we move on is, I want to say that for those of you guys listening, Marcus does client appreciation parties. I've had the the privilege and pleasure of having lunch with him and a few of his clients and all they do is rave about him. This guy like is friends. I feel like you're family with all of your clients. And I think yeah. that's awesome. That, that's awesome. You say that I, I do consider all my clients, my friends. I love my clients. Uh, I go above and beyond. I do everything I can to help them. Uh, they uh, are my purpose. Uh, if I, if I don't have them, I don't have a business. So, uh, they are so important to me. Yeah. And what I love is, you know, I talk about this with a lot of people. A friend of mine wrote a book, it's called Heart Leaders. And what it talks about is leading from your heart, putting people first. And that's definitely what you do. And I think it's admirable. And, and I just like to call out that quality and say, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's it. I mean, the, the, you got to take care of them. And I put a quote in here. Uh, I always try to help my clients become rich, but not lead a poor life. 
Mm. Uh, I don't want them to. Uh, I don't want them to have all this money and do everything they they, they, they did for their life and not be have quality of life. Like yeah. for example, I and you, we both play hockey. And over the last during the pandemic, their business has been hit almost the hardest. They can't have they can't have people come play anymore. Mm. They can't have people uh, do what they love. Uh, but the, but aside from that, their bottom line. I mean, we always forget it's actually a business that they're running. They're losing money galore. And there was the PPP program that took you so far. But you know, nobody has two, three, four months of reserves on their business to just continuously lose money over and over and over again. Yeah. So they started a program today, I noticed, that they're giving money to a child or children uh, who have, you know, won't have the ability to pay for hockey. So I contributed money to it, and not a lot, but I, I put money into it. I donated trophies to the hockey rink. Uh, I just want to put a smile on a kid's face, and I think that would be something that uh, – I would want to, when I was a kid, I would want someone to do that for me. I love that, man. It's, it's, uh, yeah, people don't realize, especially in Southern California, hockey, hockey rinks are a losing proposition anyway, just because number one, it's so hot here and you have to keep the ice cold. Number two, the game is not as big here as it is, let's say in the Northeast or the Midwest. Um, so yeah, these guys are really hurting and we need to do whatever we can to support them. During the pandemic, I, I have a lot of friends in our community that own restaurants that I've been trying to do takeout and support local business, um, which leads me into a question I love to ask, which is, what have you been doing to stay busy during the pandemic? I know now you're finally able to go back into the office, but what have you been doing? Not a lot. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I keep track of the stock market every single day i get up at 6 30 and then till one o'clock i'm watching it i have a lot of clients who are buying and selling different things uh, i know all these new names that i i didn't know before the pandemic i, I track a lot of different things um, but i spend a lot more time with my children uh, I really, really, really got a chance to know them uh, a lot better than I did when I was working, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, I love being with them. Uh, uh, I'm really sad to actually that their, uh, their school might not start till maybe September and they mm -hmm. missed out on a lot. And I know a lot of children uh, missed out on their graduations. Uh, this has really been something, the pandemic, uh, I don't feel like I was victimized as much as a lot of other people. Uh, there's so many more people that have been hurt a lot more than me because they, they kept the stock market open during the pandemic, which actually in some way was terrible because uh, when 9-11 happened, they closed the stock market for a few days. And if they did that, kind of like when this happened, I don't think you would have seen the market drop from 30,000 approximately down to 18 or 17 something, whatever it was. Uh, I think if um, they were able to kind of turn it off for a while I, and I didn't make any money, I would have been happy with it. Mm. Uh, I didn't want people to be panic selling. Uh, but the pandemic has really uh, opened people's eyes to how much they appreciate what they have. Yeah, I, that's a really good point. You know, I was just telling my wife that earlier is, you know, my oldest daughter, she had to finish her, her second semester of her sophomore year at home from college. She had to come home from Dallas and, and be here. And, and I said to her, you know, as, as much as this has been difficult for me, like you, I've been blessed. I mean, I've been able to work and continue to make a living and help my clients. Um, but it's been really good for me because I feel like my relationship with my wife and my kids has strengthened over the last 60 plus days. There have been moments during this time where we wanted to probably kill each other, but you know, for the, for the most part, it's, it's been really good to have that quality family time. And you know, uh, Marcus, you know my story. When my daughter passed away, this is exactly what I wanted the world to do. I wanted the world to pause because I wasn't ready to move forward. And, um, I don't think any of us ever thought that something like this would happen. And 
You know, I think that there are a lot of blessings within it. Um, but we also have to remember, and like you and I've been doing, trying to support local restaurants, individually owned businesses. And, and boy, do we wish we would have bought Zoom stock before all this happened. Uh, I do have some clients who own that. There's a disclaimer there. It's not me. I don't own it. But I do have some clients who are smart enough to buy that in the beginning. They've done really well with that one. Yeah, I don't own any either, but I think it's gone up tremendously because every business, every school, like everybody on the face of the planet, including us right now, have been using Zoom. Um, normally, I would be doing interviews like this in person, but um, do you do any, and I don't know if we talked about this, did we talk about commodities? Do you do anything with commodities, oil, gold, anything like that or no? I don't. I don't. I uh I never really got into it. Uh, I gave it some thought yeah. uh, in the beginning if I was going to do that, but I'd rather be uh, good at what I do. Absolutely. Than, you know, have too many things and not an expert in anything. Yeah, I think that's smart. I think that's smart. So, so let's talk about hockey real quick because I want my listeners to, they know who you are now as a financial planner, as a businessman, which, you know, you're, you are in the top 1% of your field. You're an amazing guy. And, and guys, if you're listening and you want to ask questions and you want to just have a second opinion, call Marcus because he's an amazing guy. He, <laughs> he's absolutely, you know, he, as you can see, the guy leads with his heart. He loves people. He loves helping his clients. So what I want to talk a bit about more is just who he is as a man and a person because he's really a great guy. And it's funny because you and I met probably what did we figure out maybe 10 plus years ago playing hockey. Then we yeah. kind of fell out of touch and then we were reintroduced. You're better than you're, you're a much better skater than me. Oh, I, I gotta, no, no, no. I'll you, put that on tape. I, I want, I want everyone to know that I don't, I, you're very modest. You're an excellent hockey player. I want no, everyone you got, to you got great hands, buddy. This guy can shoot the puck. Let me tell you. Um, no, but talk about talk about how'd you get into the game like how'd you discover hockey oh well my dad is from canada so when i was i don't know four years old uh he took me to the topanga plaza hockey rink and just <laughs> dropped me off there and like you got to learn this sport you know and it's, it's it's in your blood you know it's your bloodline you need you're from your you're, you know, you're a dual citizen because I think in 1970, if uh, I wanted to, I could actually be a Canadian. So my dad still has his green card. He never uh, got a U.S. citizen. U.S. citizen, uh, uh, you know, he's never got, he never got a passport. Um, so um, the my dad taught me how to play when I was little, and uh, nobody even played hockey when I was growing up. Like I mean, I tell people I play hockey. And they're like, what? Like, what is that? You know, and now everyone plays. I know. It's funny. You and I, would. I didn't realize we have so much in common. So my dad is not from Canada. He was born in the United States, but he's French Canadian by heritage. That's where his, my grandfather, his father is from. And so I'm from back East. I was born in New Jersey and I've been on the ice. My parents had me on the ice, I think when I was like two, three years old. And then we moved out here when I was a kid. And I want to tell my listeners, so Topanga Plaza is a shopping mall that is in the San Fernando Valley here in Southern California. And they used to have an ice rink in the food court area, right? There was, there was a rink there. And that's where we played hockey when I first moved to California. It was the coolest thing. So we played at the exact same place and we're the exact same age. It's kind of strange. We probably played at the exact same time. We probably played each other when we were four years old. Probably. We might have even been on the same team, but, uh, yeah. you know, much it's better than me probably then too. No, 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 no. Stop. It's, it's, you know, it's such an amazing game, the game of hockey. And I think what I, what I love about the game is it brings guys like you and me together. And there's yeah. a brotherhood that people don't realize, you know, like the, the pickup game where you and I met, which was at 10 o'clock at night on Fridays, I remember friends of ours would say, you go and play hockey at 10 p.m. on Friday night? And I was like, absolutely. They don't understand us, Marcus. 
No, actually, uh, my wife's friends uh, were joking, and they were like, "You really believe he's going to play hockey?" I actually had to, <laughs> I actually had to like bring my gear out once, going, "Look, smell this." It's, you know, I've been playing hockey every night, honey. Don't worry about it. There's no, there's no one else. Right. They think we're going out to a bar or something, right? <laughs> well, they're I like, "Where are you leaving?" Hockey. I would, I would much rather go play hockey. And, you know, it's funny because I've met some of my greatest friends that I've had in my entire life through the game of hockey, some amazing business partnerships with realtors and financial planners like yourself, accountants. Um, and, you know, with, without putting a heavy message on this, as I've talked about in my other podcast, is that when my daughter passed away, the hockey community was my rock, dude. Like the hockey community supported me and my family so much. And um, here's, here's what I love about you. This guy, you have to understand, as, as passionate as he is about finance and making money for his clients, this, this guy, Marcus, is super passionate about his hockey. So, like, you've written letters, emails to the Kings, to the LA Times, right? Like, talk about some of the stuff you've done, because I think it's awesome. <sighs> You're, okay. All right. Well, you know, I, I had a friend of mine that uh, works for the LA Times, and I was interviewing a client, and she was there, and she was just amazed that I knew every player that played for the LA Kings going back to the before I was born, even. Uh, and then she was like, "You're you're like the number one Kings fan I've ever heard of," and. Uh, he, she was shocked by it because it just was not what she expected out of a financial planner. Uh, and uh, so I, uh, I didn't, you know, she was a writer for the daily news. And uh, when the Kings got really good uh, back in, uh, I guess it was 2004, uh, 12, when they went for their first cup run, uh, she was like, I need to do a story on some fans. So she's like, she picked me. So if you Google Marcus Silverberg, LA Kings, this whole article about me being the biggest LA Kings fan ever. I mean, I want, there's bigger fans than me, but I'm pretty up there. I mean, I love, I love my Kings. Yeah. And what I can tell you guys is if you were to sit down with Marcus and talk hockey or the Kings in five minutes, you will know that he knows everything about it. There's a reason that you're so good at, finances and financial planning is because you know the details you do this you do all the work and so I just love that about you um so I have a couple questions we're, we're almost done here I have a couple questions I want to ask you which is what's something that you're not very good at because you're really good at what you do for a living you're a great hockey player what is what's something you're not very good at organizational skills have always been the worst thing about me. So I addressed it. I have Dana who works in my office, Stacy who works in my office, I have Kylie who works in my office. I delegate the organizational skills to my staff and they are terrific. I I look like I'm organized to everybody else. Just don't tell anybody. Well, and I think it's it's Dana that I've met in your office, correct? Yeah, I can tell you that she is extremely detail organized and her organizational skills are phenomenal. And by the way, that's something else we share because I have somebody who works for me that helps me stay on top of that. And um, that's just a sign of a good leader is recognizing what your weaknesses are and having somebody come in and help them. So kudos to you, brother. Um, where can my listeners connect with you online or if they want to find you, what's the best place for them to look you up? Uh, you can go to our, our website. Uh, it's uh, www.silverwm.net. Uh, that's a good place for clients to go to just get a little bit about me. Uh, my office is at the landing. Uh, you could always reach me at my office at 805-497-7032. Uh, my clients even call me on my cell phone. I won't give that out. You know, but, uh, you know, all right, for your listeners, I'll give it out. I don't care. 310-497-3246. You can always reach me there. Um, but, and I, I have my clients call me on the weekend and I pick it up. I mean, I, I, it doesn't matter. I mean, if my clients need me, I pick it up. 
I love it, man. And we'll put all that in the show notes. So anybody who wants to reach out to you, who wants to get a real honest analysis of where they are financially, um, I highly recommend you talk to Marcus. He's, I mean, look, he's great at what he does, but you can see the guy's just, he's a great guy. He, he leads with his heart and that's what you want. So last question before I let you get back to work, buddy, which is what is the mark you want to have on the world and or your profession? Well, originally I wanted to say that I managed a hundred million dollars. That was like in my profession, that would be my professional goal. But I've done that. I passed that. I've surpassed that. So I have a new goal. I want to get to 250 million. So I would love to talk to anybody who wants to, you know, take a look at what they got and see if maybe I could do a little better than what they look closely at your portfolios, look closely at what you're paying right now. Uh, you know, maybe I could do a little better for you than a full service advisor where they're charging you so much money. Uh, I can negotiate the rates a little bit better than possibly what you're paying at a top tier brokerage firm that, uh, you know, you're paying for all that overhead. You know, I can help you maybe take some of that away. I love that. So let me ask you this. What is, what would you say, or is there something that I should have asked you today that I didn't? No, you, you're a good interviewer. You asked me pretty much everything. In fact, more than I was even willing to talk about. I, I talked, I, I, you know, uh, you, know you, you got me to talk about hockey. You got me to talk about my kids, my, my dog. <laughs> you're terrific. Well, I appreciate it. I'm going to ask you one other question because I'm really curious. I have a list and I kind of go through them depending on the person I'm interviewing. What is a profession other than your own that you would like to attempt or maybe that you dreamed of doing? Besides NHL? Ah, hey, that's like, whatever, man. This is your dream, buddy. Uh, if, I could, if I could do anything, I, I would have to want to play in the NHL to play uh, alongside uh, probably the and now players that are playing now or in the past. That's your dream, man. Well, it would be in the past. It would be yeah. Gretzky and it would be Dave Taylor. Mm. Dave Taylor, uh, grew when I grew up, I grew up in Tarzana. Dave Taylor was my neighbor. Wow. Uh, I grew up going to Dave Taylor's house all the time, bugging him for autographs, bugging him for pucks, bugging him for sticks, annoying his wife. I was probably like 10 years old. I'm like knocking on his door. He's like, I, he's like, all right, I know it's you. I got it. I get it. You know, and, uh, you know, being on the, he was a captain of the LA Kings and he actually became the general manager of the LA Kings. And, uh, one time I, I remember I was at a party, I had a few drinks and I, and I actually called him up and I said to Dave Taylor, I want to play on the Kings. I could help them. <laughs> I could have, they were in the last place. I think they were just doing terrible. And I said, get me on the ice, Steve. And he, and, he, and the Kings were out of it. The Kings were like in last place and there was maybe 10 games left in the season where they had nothing to lose. I just said, put me in. What do you have? And you know, just recently they just had a guy come out of the stands and played for Carolina Hurricanes and he played goalie and he actually stopped the Toronto Maple Leafs. He did. So he did. I don't think what I actually was thinking was so far fetched because if you stick me on the power play, I could probably avoid getting killed on the ice for probably five minutes. I, I think I would be okay. I think I'd handle it. So what did Dave Taylor say when you he asked said, him? No <laughs> <laughs> he said, no way. He's like, I'm not putting you on the ice. It's not going to happen. Go back to the party you're at, you know, go bug someone else. Oh, that's awesome. Well, at least he was a good sport, you know, Man, oh, I really, me I really yeah. appreciate you coming on today. I know how busy you are. I think that you gave some really good stuff. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing you on the ice and, of course, doing more business with you, helping your clients and, and hopefully you helping mine. And, um, you know, I just really appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks for putting me on. Uh, again, it's my first podcast ever. And I want to make a disclaimer. Uh, the podcast adds 10 pounds 
to you as COVID does. Uh, I'm not as fat in person when you meet me. I'm much skinnier. That's awesome. Like that By the way, yeah. I've done a lot of these. And for your first one, you knocked it out of the park. I'm not saying that because we're uh, here. You crushed it. And I'm <laughs> sure my listeners will tell you the same thing. You did a great job, buddy. And uh, How I love the COVID 10 pounds thing. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. And it's, it's a pleasure doing it. And if you ever need me to do it again, I'm in. Like, oh, yeah. Me, we'll have you know. back on again in the near future. And maybe we'll do a live one where we can have people uh, call in or ask questions about, uh, you know, different investment strategies or things like that. I know you got to run it through compliance, but maybe we could do something like that. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would love to do it. Got to run everything through compliance, but yeah, of course. But yeah, I would love to do it. Love to be of service to you. All right. Well, guys, if you like this, listen to it, you know, share it, subscribe it, like it, share it with your friends. And again, as I always say, it all starts with a decision. Thank you for joining us on another episode of The Daily Decision. If you like what you hear, please do us a favor, share it, like it, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it. And remember, it all starts with a decision.